1: We have Galen Hare on the call and here's the deal. If you've ever come into those situations where you've had an insurance claim and you didn't know what to do and, and, or you've just taken your insurance company's word for it, but you thought maybe you need a little more help. That's where Galen and his team came in because they are lawyers that specialize in insurance claims and representing us to make sure that, uh, the insurance company stay, uh, honest to their policies. Is, did I get that right, Galen?
2: Completely. Yeah, that's all, all we're here to do basically is make sure the policies are followed by the carrier.
1: So this, you, my listeners are going to hear me say this quite a few times, but I have learned, I used to be in banking a long, long time ago. And with just like banking, I've always found that uh, people in, in this type of game, uh, whether it's insurance in some fashion, Um, I I know lawyers have have a particular focus, but uh, I usually find that this type of niche is kind of a uh, happenstance or by accident. How did you end up here with this, this type of niche? Yeah, maybe
2: by accident, but with some level of intention. So I came down to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and gutted houses and kind of did manual labor. That was before I was even a lawyer. So I think that probably colored the direction that I was going to go with the rest of my life. Ended up doing some defense work, kind of had what I call that Jerry Maguire moment, like who the hell am I, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And ended up moving to the plaintiff side and helping policyholders that were not being treated fairly by insurance companies.
1: Sure. So you know the the big question here is that you know everybody carries insurance policies, but in the end it always seems like you know I I think the number of insurance policies I've had we've actually been able to find actual coverage on like one thing out of a hundred things we've done, like so uh, have you found that's the case? Uh, the insurance company is is either do they quickly say no? Or are we covered more than we realize? I mean, I mean, this is a pretty general and open question, but I, and I hate to jump right in like that, but it it seems to be the case. It's 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 a game that usually in the insurance company wins.
2: So, it's a game that they want to win. It's a game that they can win very easily if you don't have help. Um, and before I answer your question, I guess let me make this point. An insurance company is not one person. It's a team of people. And I always kind of like in that, whether you like college football, pro football or no sports at all, right? Every sport almost that we follow as Americans is a team sport and using football as an example. You've got your quarterback, you've got your receivers, you've got your running back, you've got your line that's just on the offense alone, right? And it takes all of those pieces in order to go score. So the carriers have their field adjusters, their desk adjusters, engineers that they hire, vendors, um, supervisors, all these people kind of moving together to either minimize or deny a claim. And I'm amazed at how many Americans in our culture today, including very intelligent, very savvy investors say, oh, I can do this alone. And then they're shocked when they get a lesser result than the carrier got. Well, The carrier had massively more resources and was in general, better prepared for this. Not to mention the carrier does this all day. You do this once or twice in your life, maybe. And if you're a bigger investor, maybe once or twice a year. So you're just not set up for that. And I think that's important to kind of understand the answer to the question, which is you probably have more coverage than you're being told. Um that's a broad answer to a broad question right so it might not mm-hmm. be fair in every circumstance but I wouldn't as a default say my insurance company is treating me fairly they're being honest with me so I'm going to believe them that they shouldn't pay me
1: mm-hmm. So you know like uh, so at what point would you would say like a company like yours a group of lawyers like this a person should consider having you step in on our behalf.
2: So we have property management companies that contact us the second there's a loss. They don't even want to deal with it because they know that we'll end up kind of steering it from beginning to end. But where it's kind of do or die time is when you start to hear things that don't match up. Um, you start to be told things that don't sound right. It's really time to get a professional on board. And it was, it's probably already passed time to get a professional on board, but it's not necessarily too late at that point.
1: So most of the people that uh, talk to you and work with your team have already preemptively done so. And uh, it's probably more in an advisory type situation, not ad hoc when a a situation arises.
2: Well, a close relationship deserves, I guess, a certain kind of close treatment, right? So we do have property management companies and investors that bring us everything. So we probably provide more advice and kind of advisory opinions than we normally would, but our bread and butter is actually working the claims from beginning to end. So a lot of the calls we get are already established or new relationships where someone says, Hey, like I have an apartment complex and it just burned down or I have a single family home and it just, you know, sewage is everywhere. What should I do? And so it's partially advisory, but it's partially work. What we say is let's get you signed up. We'll take care of making the claim for you. We'll deal with the insurance company. We'll figure out what you need to get paid. We will look at your policy. We will tell you what coverage you're entitled to. Now, sometimes we come back and say, you have no coverage and you owe us nothing. Other times, most of the time there's coverage. And then, what we do becomes about maximizing every dollar that we can recover for you so you can be made whole. And in some states, we can even get our attorney fees paid for as well.
1: Oh, okay. So that makes things even more attractive, but it depends on the state.
2: It does. There are some states that are not necessarily keen to that concept, but in a situation where we're not necessarily filing suit or having to go to trial, we try to keep our fees low enough that that doesn't materially hurt you in the process of trying to rebuild.
1: Right. So if you'd like to hear, see more of what Galen is talking about and maybe even do some preliminary uh, looking into it, head over to insuranceclaimhq.com. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. Uh, but uh, and I think the, the website has a lot of information on it as well. So it's, it's quite easy to navigate and, and to collect some of this information. So again, it's insuranceclaimhq.com so Galen, when when you when you're talking about talking to these people on, on their behalf, a lot of these insurance companies are probably gotten used to you too. And in your speaking their lingo, you kind of already know their processes. It probably makes things a lot smoother.
2: We certainly like to think so. Um one of the things I tell our team, and we're pretty large, is insurance companies' job is to disrupt whatever process you create. So at the highest levels at our firm, we're constantly reevaluating the process we use, the terminology we use, the way we send things, the way we transmit things, the order we do that in, and watching for carriers that are attempting to disrupt that process to slow it down. So we try to stay just a couple of steps ahead of them. Um, Unfortunately when you decide to go into real estate investment, you were not handed some comprehensive handbook on how to handle insurance claims and kind of like a, you know, here's how you win no matter what guide, right? So what we've done is through some of our experience on the defense side, and then now many years on the plaintiff side, is done what we consider to be, you're never perfect, right? But as close to a perfection of the process as we can.
1: Sure. So, you know, you mentioned earlier about the you kind of gave an example of the sewer backing up. Do you have other examples of where uh, companies or, or insurance companies have said, "No, you're not covered," and you found that your 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 defendant actually is, and and they needed to pay out? Mold, um, Mold. mold's a
2: big one. That happens a lot, and most carriers have a knee jerk reaction to deny paying for mold or to deny paying above a certain amount. However, in most states, the analysis is not that simple. There's a lot of factors you have to look at. Uh, Fire ends up being one. You would think fire would be pretty open and closed, but suddenly they want to see all your financials, maybe you're underwater on that property. What they're doing without doing it is accusing you of setting fire to the property. And that's why they're not paying you. That happens a lot. The flood versus wind is always a fight as most people that are experienced investors, but if you're thinking about getting into it, you may not know your policy that you have on that property probably does not cover flood. You need a different policy for flood. So what happens when it rains a lot and it rains in through your roof, but it also comes up from the ground? Do you have a covered storm or do you have an uncovered flood? So dealing with that a lot and really just anything that can happen to your home you would be amazed at the ways carriers will find a way to get around it. A tornado hit your house. But now the carrier says, well, you had a, you had your roof installed poorly, so we don't owe you for a new roof. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's a little hard to, hard to prove. A tornado just ripped the roof off the house. And you're saying if it was installed better, it would have withstood a tornado? Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. But this happens every day. And I'm always disheartened because I'll talk to people. I do a lot of speaking publicly. I go to a lot of disaster zones. And I feel like every time I speak somewhere in person, which is less and less these last year, year and a half or so, but whenever I speak in person, someone pulls me aside and they have a story of like five years ago where something terrible happened and they like lost their home or they lost an investment, almost went, I mean, I talked to one guy who lived in his car as a result of this, right? And they weren't paid by their carrier. And then the end results of the conversation is they say, Yeah, so I really wish I'd met someone like you five years ago. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, you had no idea what rights you had. You know, you were completely taken advantage of by your carrier. And all you had to do is make a phone call. And any lawyer that does this work, that really and truly focuses on this work would have known how to steer you through that process.
1: Sure. Well that just goes back to the the specialization again. You know, the real estate investing we all have our specialization it seems like we all kind of find find our niche but that comes with uh with lawyers especially you know we have a we have a real estate lawyer but uh in the end that person also probably doesn't have as much familiarity with the insurance side of things and frankly it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know
2: and websites are dangerous right the internet's in some ways, this amazing thing, but it's also this terrible tool. Uh, So after a hurricane, every lawyer in the immediate geographic area suddenly adds a property damage, hurricane damage, you know, a banner, click here to get help with your claim. And I laugh and think to myself, man, that dude was doing divorces like a week and a half ago. You know, Mm -hmm. he, like I get it. He, but The internet creates this credibility, um, which is kind of interesting. And we're watching it get manipulated in all sorts of fascinating ways, which again, has its pros and its cons. But you can hire people to go on Facebook and leave positive reviews, right? So if I decided today, I want everyone to think I'm the best divorce lawyer in Louisiana, I could go build a website, pay people for positive reviews and make it look like I've been doing divorces for a long time. So you really do have to interview the people. You have to talk to them. You have to figure out, do they actually do this work? Do they focus on this area? It's all about specialization these days. And, you know, we get that inherently, right? If you're having some heart problems, you don't typically go see a podiatrist to see what's going on. Uh, You go see a cardiologist because you know that's who you need. So we as society understand that specialization is important, but for some reason, when we're buying certain types of services... We fail to acknowledge that, and it's it's one of the great uh, it's one of the great conundrums of society, I think, and I think we deal with it all the time. But we do inherently get that certain professions should be specialized. We just don't acknowledge it in others,
1: right? So, if somebody is looking for a provider such as yourself, you know, a lawyer that has this specialization, you already made mention that when you look on YouTube, you know, any Joe Schmo. (laughs) <laughs> lawyer is probably going to put put whatever they can to get as much traffic as possible, depending on uh, on the situation. What type of questions should they be asking to make sure it's they actually specialize in this niche?
2: Yeah, I think there are fair questions that are not offensive, that also do not place the lawyer or the law firm in an uncomfortable position. Have you handled claims against my carrier before? Have you handled this type of loss against that carrier before? how did you handle it generally you know some, sometimes lawyers get weird well i don't want to tell you everything i'm going to do first of all if a lawyer gets cagey about that and says i don't want to tell you everything i'm going to do because then you won't hire me that is silly because the concept is that the lawyer has better skills right not mm-hmm. just not just a knowledge of the process that is important but i have a book um it's called picking up the pieces and i lay out that process for you in the book i think we sell the book for like at one point we sold it for like a buck on kindle i think it's like 12 bucks on Amazon. If you want the physical copy, any lawyer that's not willing to lay out that process for you and talk you through it. It makes me uncomfortable that maybe they don't, they either a don't know the process or B they're so busy that they're not going to have time for you anyway. Um, so I think it's fair to say what, how would you handle this? What would be the process? It's, um, I don't know if anyone watches South park, but I always laugh. I, I go back to the same episode. They had the underpants gnomes and, um, you know, someone asked them, like, what's the plan here? Because these little underpants gnomes are stealing underpants from all over South Park. And they go, step one, collect underpants. Step two, step three, profit. And they ne- could never figure out what step two was, right? <laughs> and I, I feel like when you talk to lawyers that don't specialize in an area, but they're trying to sound like they do, they remind me of the underpants gnomes. Because they're like, we're going to get your claim. And then we're going to do a bunch of stuff. And then we're going to get your money. And if they can't tell you what the stuff is, you probably shouldn't be talking to them. And I don't, I think people feel like that's an offensive question. What mm-hmm. are you going to do? It's not an offensive question. Ask the question. A client called me, real estate investor, 18 properties, all damaged by a hurricane. He'd already signed with us. He's been our client for like four months, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. We're going through the process. He calls me um, last night. I want to know what you're going to do. I was like, he sounded angry. Um, and I said, well, what you want to know what we have done or what we're going to do? So we kind of walked through everything and he's like, and at the end, he goes, thanks, man. I just needed someone to make me feel comfortable that you knew what you were doing. I said, no problem. I got you. If a lawyer is not willing to have that conversation, you should be very, very skeptical.
1: Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, and, and it's amazing how that's for any profession. There's a lot of people who uh, it's almost as if it's, it's a secret or, or a secret in secret recipe. They don't want to share what they know.
2: Yeah. And, and the reality is it's not a secret, right? It's just, I think sometimes they're uncomfortable answering the questions because they're worried about scrutiny. But the reality is this, we're in this world where knowledge is like the number one currency because you can't trust the internet. I mean, geez, look at all the crazy stuff going on right now. And mm-hmm. I think the way you prove that you can be trusted is by readily, freely sharing your knowledge. And if we're not willing to do that, we shouldn't be given credit as industry leaders. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's like a social media guru. Yep.
1: Right he
2: there. says some. Oh, you got us.
1: <laughs> I got a, co- a couple of his books right back there. Yeah.
2: I was, um, I had the opportunity to see him live uh, a couple of years back, shortly before COVID. And someone said, don't you get worried that all these people imitate you? And he goes, no, like he goes, if I did that, then I wouldn't give away my stuff for free. Right. But as long as everyone's imitating me, then I'm still the biggest person in the room. And I think that's kind of our firm's approach. We produce a ton of video content. We have the book. We do all those things. We give away our knowledge for free. Mm -hmm. Anyone else, if some divorce lawyer wants to pop into a region after a disaster where we're active and they want to copy all our stuff, go for it because someone's going to realize you're copying all our stuff. Like we're, right. people inherently are not actually dumb. They're pretty smart and they'll figure it out. So it still makes you the largest one in the room. So when you're looking for a lawyer, do not hesitate to push them. Don't right. hesitate to push them at all.
1: It does lead me to the question though, you know, uh, insurance is one of those things that we kind of, as as real estate investors and homeowners it's kind of a secondary thought. It's, it's, uh, we kind of go shop for the best price, or in some cases, the bank will just get it for you. Um, that's is, the worst one, right? That's so, the worst one.
2: So don't ever, 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 I cannot say ever enough, let the bank purchase the insurance for you because in some states, you actually end up not being insured. The bank is insured, and all the bank cares about is their investment. And they will either get just enough to protect their investment, keep the money and tell you to figure it out. Or sometimes they have very intimate financial relationships with these carriers and they made their money on the premium. So they don't even care about you getting paid in some States. You can't even file suit. If you don't get paid when the bank purchased the insurance for you. Hmm. So number one takeaway, go buy your own insurance like today, right? Number two, do not shop for insurance. You have to shop for insurance the way you would shop for a car. Okay. In some ways you have to take it much more seriously when you're going and buying frosted mini wheats. I don't care whether you get the generic version or whether you, whether you, get the nice stuff. It doesn't bother me. You know what your taste is. You know what you can deal with when you're buying a car price is a consideration and it should be mm-hmm. what you're actually getting. How is it going to work? Is it going to be reliable? Oh man. When I really need it, is it going to be there for me? All these things, is it safe? Like you have to treat buying insurance like a car. What is this carrier's reputation for paying claims? How do they treat people? You know, and this is all publicly available information, by the way. Most states keep logs of complaints that people file about carriers. That's not some nice commercial that someone put out. That's real stories about how people were treated. What does the policy say? Insurance is the weirdest thing, it's the only thing that you purchase first and then see later. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, and and there's a reason for that because they don't want you to read the policy. Okay. (laughs) So get the policy and immediately read it. What does it cover? What does it not spend the time with the agent and do this? This is very important. Here is what I want covered. Are you giving that to me? Right. Mm -hmm. Because if the agent screws up, you want to be able to sue the agent. And in most states, you have to prove that you told the agent exactly what you want. And they told you they got it. And that's a hard standard of proof, right? I've got people in hurricane areas right now that have wind exclusions in their policies. Wind damage is not covered. I can tell you no one in a hurricane area intended to buy insurance that excluded wind. But these people didn't read the policies. And it is heartbreaking to make a phone call to someone and say, ma'am, I'm just sorry. You're going to have to take out a third mortgage on your house. hmm if you can get one, because the house is messed up. So who's going to give you a third mortgage? I don't know. Right. Um, and it tears you up, but you have to buy insurance with intent. And if you don't buy insurance with intent, you are there's no purpose in doing this because you are assuming all of the risk. And investing is about analyzing the risk. You're already taking a financial risk, right? So don't compound that risk based on the region you live in. You know what your problems are. They're floods or they're tornadoes or they're hurricanes. In the Midwest, they're direct No one even knew what that was until a year ago, right? Um, but you know what your problems in your area are and you need to make sure that you're covered because the carrier also knows what the problems in your area are. They have better data And they have written in exclusions. Texas pipe burst, single largest insurance event in the world when all the Texas pipes burst. You know who thought about that? The carriers, because they knew that Texas had deregulated its electrical grid and that in a bad freeze, there would be massive issues. They learned this from the Super Bowl a few years back in Dallas, Mm -hmm. and they wrote in pipe burst exclusions into most of their policies. Single largest loss ever and tons of people with no coverage.
1: Sure. Well, that does lead me to the question then. Can you give us some highlights of what we as investors, and I know this is going to be probably area specific um, because uh, you know me being up North and you being in Louisiana, I'm sure our policies are going to be quite different, but what should we ask for and make sure that we have coverage on?
2: Yeah. So the first thing I want to do before I even start purchasing insurance is I want to make a list of what type of weather just kind of tends to happen. Okay. Then I want to go to my agent and I want to say, I want an all perils policy. That's not going to cover flood. You got to do that separately, but I want to say, I want an all perils policy. If I'm smart about that, I'm actually going to email my agent that. So there's proof that I asked for an all perils policy. And then during the process, I'm going to say, look, there's all these endorsements. There's all these exclusions. I need you to explain them to me. I want to actually know what's covered and what's not, because you need to make an informed decision. And the problem is we want the cheapest insurance. So we just don't engage in that conversation. The best advice is that it should take a few days to buy insurance. It shouldn't be a fast process. Right now, the way it works is they ask you a bunch of questions. They give you like three numbers and you pick one. That's not the way... It it doesn't always work that way. It works that way because you allow it to. Mm -hmm. You can say, here is what I want. Your job is to go find it, bring it to me, confirm to me that it's going to do what I want, and then I will write you a check. And there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes that insurance won't even be more expensive. It's just that the agent did their job. And I think you have to remember that because later when you get a bad policy, the carrier is going to say, that agent works for you, not us. That's your agent. And that's what it means. It means they're your agent. They're your representative. So if they went to the carrier and agreed to a policy, if let's say you're in an area with a lot of wind that wouldn't cover wind, then they did that on your behalf. So the carrier had no reason to think you wanted something that covered wind. Hail, hail's huge. I don't know. How, how far up north are you?
1: Um, pretty up north. We're. Uh, you probably can even hear it. Sometimes I've, I've been told I have a Canadian accent.
2: Yeah. I can hear it a little bit. Um, so yeah, you've got, you've got ice issues. You've got hail issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are things you have to think about and man hail hail, right? That's like everyone right now there's hail exclusions and all these policies, they're all starting to come in. Well, hail screws up roofs like badly. And sometimes you can't get a roof fixed. Right. You have to get it replaced. So maybe if it's only going to cost you an extra 500 a year, I don't know how expensive your roof is. If you've got some cheap roof, maybe you want to take that risk. Will a hailstorm hit it? But you'd be surprised how expensive some of these roofs are. I just had a claim the other day where the roof was $1.9 million. Wow. And guess what was in that policy? A hail exclusion. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: We got around it. It was complicated, but there was a hail exclusion and hail pummeled this roof and we could not repair it. We tried. We actually had a roofer out there for like two or three months trying to do temporary repairs. And we could just never get there.
1: So how did you get around something like that? It was an exclusion.
2: Yeah, it was an exclusion, but it wasn't that clear. Um, Hail exclusions in that particular state weren't necessarily allowed. So they put in what's called a cosmetic damage exclusion where what they said is, well, this is cosmetic damage because it dings the roof. It changes the way it looks. And what we did is actually had a laboratory come out and do chemical testing on the roof to show that the roof had appropriately eroded mm. in a way that materially affected the life of the roof.
1: So I'm going to put you on the spot. Now that you you have had a ton of experience with all these insurance providers, in uh, in I understand being a lawyer, you might not be able to answer this question. But the, are, have you run into insurance companies that a person should maybe avoid?
2: Oh, I've run into a ton. You should avoid, and they're, I'll tell you without naming any specific ones because they're always watching me. Um, <laughs> if they're advertising heavily, I'd, if they're advertising heavily on TV, I'd be very concerned. There's a okay. reason they need that kind of. Um, there's a reason they need that business. Okay, um, it's called the revolving door.
1: Right, there's a yeah. lot of. Yeah.
2: That's exactly it. I'll tell you who I like. And look, I have to sue them sometimes. Um, if you're a higher net worth individual, Pure is available to you. They're pretty good. Um, if you do a lot of commercial real estate investing, Chubb often, uh, not just commercial, residential too, Chubb is available to you. Um, I sue them a lot less than anyone else. And you know, look, no one's perfect. We're never going to see eye to eye on whether you should get paid or not. But If I see you less, I like you. Um, I personally have one of those two, and it's not the high net worth one. Um, And I'm pretty happy with with where they end up. You can also get some decent policies through the London market, but you have to be really careful because there's some weird things in those policies, including mandatory arbitration in some states. And if you get a policy from the London market with mandatory arbitration, you might as well not have a policy because they stack that process to favor themselves.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, I you you know I I'm surprised you actually gave us some uh companies to check out. You're that's that's pretty that's great. So um with all of that being said, you know I I've also heard the term of assigning insurance and I'm guessing that is associated with the the mortgage or the or the bank loan. Would that be the case?
2: Yeah, it's a few different things. So you can assign a policy over. Sometimes that's done in in conjunction with the purchase of a property, right? Um, The seller already has insurance on the property. Maybe it's in an area that's hard to get insurance. So they assign the policy over. You got to be careful with that because sometimes assignments of the policy are not allowed under the policy. So that's cool that the seller signed a document transferring the policy to you. But if the carrier didn't allow it, you don't have coverage at all. I've um, seen so- that
1: around our area because we uh, depending on the part of the state, um, we have flooding here too, you know uh, because our, our the land is so flat, overland flooding is can happen uh, fairly frequently and uh, but we've we've had insurance providers like they it's hard for them to get a new insurance policy, but we are able to assign the existing flood insurance policy.
2: And that has to be done. Um, the final thing, and on that front, on assignments, and that kind of segues in because I know we're we're probably getting close to the end of our time together, but it'll be a great teaser for people to go look up. Is in certain in many states it's allowed what's called a post loss assignment of claim, and that is such a massive fodder for real estate investment because what it permits you to do is get a home that is severely damaged that might require a fair amount of work, but hedge your bets vis-a-vis the ability to recover insurance proceeds. Hmm. And if you are paying the appropriate price point for those properties and you're getting the right assignments done, it can essentially be a free property if you're willing to put a little work into it.
1: Wow, that is that is a mic drop if I've ever heard one. I, you. So that would be a whole nother episode. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm going to send everybody to your website again, insuranceclaimhq.com, uh, for some more information regarding uh, Galen and his team. If if this conversation hasn't spurred some thoughts, uh, I don't know what will, because I mean, Galen provided an example of somebody who would have had to come out of pocket. By a ton of money to replace a roof because of hail insurance. And they were able to find a way in which to make sure the policy covers that. Uh, I mean, it it almost sounds a little too good to be true and that your your services have a tendency of paying for itself.
2: That's the goal. And um, look, thanks so much for having me. It's been great.
1: So before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here tonight?
2: Oh, no. Um, honestly, I thought the conversation was fantastic. And uh, maybe sometime we can talk more about uh, investing in disaster areas.
1: No, I appreciate that. And I will definitely take you up on that. Uh, again, head over to Insurance Claim HQ. And uh, Galen and his team are is easy to reach there. So, uh, and I'll make sure to have all those links in the show notes. We'll see you next time.
2: Thank you.
0: This has been the REI Mastermind Network.